Kevin or or is it or is it Kev? Either Richmond, Either. Uh, but no, uh, you you can call me Kev. It's absolutely fine. Okay, brilliant. How are you doing? I'm very well. Yourself? Yeah, no, I'm good, thanks. And it's it's good to meet at last. We've had quite a few uh, messages, and and now here we are, screen to screen. Yeah, no, uh, really looking forward to it. No, thanks for thanks for having me on. Um, I really appreciate your interest, obviously, in, in having a chat. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's good to catch up with you finally. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, so what are you up to at the moment? So at the moment, uh, working from home, like probably a lot of people uh, around the world right now, uh, have been doing for the last, what, close to a year now. I think uh, I got back from Brazil um, the middle of last March 2020. And I think since then, I've probably been out of my house for work purposes for about five days. <laughs> so, um yeah, so it's been a it's been a crazy year, yeah. and actually a massive a massive contrast actually to what I was doing for the you know the previous uh, year, which was traveling around the world, visiting you know various different countries, jumping on flight after flight mm-hmm. as it felt, um, and then yeah, it just suddenly changed. I got back from Brazil, and obviously the the first lockdown came in the UK. Um, obviously, I was fortunate enough to get back, which is good, and obviously be be with my family at home and then yeah since then I've I've been working from home still continuing to to work for the for the company who I'm working with as a as a football consultant which has been great and uh, obviously thankful for them for for allowing me to continue the work as well during during this period yeah. Uh, so yeah right up to today I'm still 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 active still working for for, for Double Pass um, who are a Belgian company and uh, yeah enjoying it yeah great so yeah that, that i mean that's a huge a huge change um and and one sort of puzzles a little bit how how can you be a football consultant indoors how, how are you doing that yeah, that's that's a really good question but uh we're, we're managing we're finding a way um which is important of course during these times is to to be creative and, and find different ways of delivering what you're expected to to deliver um uh, so what we've done is uh, at the company, um, I mean, first of all, just to, to give probably the listeners a bit of an insight into Double Pass, uh, a world leading company in terms of uh, talent development and optimizing uh, youth development systems or player development systems around the world uh, in order to try and, let's say, maximize player potential. So first of all, it's a really, a really interesting role. Uh, a really challenging role. Um, and as you said, the, I suppose the most fulfilling part of the role is when you're out in, in clubs and visiting various different countries and meeting people in person. But as you say, now the challenge has been to try and deliver that from home. And obviously that's been hours and hours uh, sat in front of a, a laptop and, and talking through a screen to various different people around the world, which has also been very interesting. I think what's fascinating is you can come off a call to say uh, Japan or Hong Kong or Denmark, and then suddenly just go downstairs to your to your front room or your kitchen and just make yourself uh, a drink or just sit out in the garden for ten minutes. So uh, that's where it becomes a little bit different when you're actually obviously on a on a on a on a, on a full visit, if you like. So, mm. but we're delivering lots of services still uh, a lot a lot of educational services, a lot of um, online 
masterclass courses uh, for yeah fo- football leaders or aspiring football leaders around the world. So it's been really really interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the what the the age group then? What what's the sort of the age group that you tend to focus on with with talent? Uh, well, within clubs, obviously, in terms of you're talking about football players, firstly, it'll be, um, yeah, from the beginning of beginning of any of an, any academy all the way up. Um, so we'd be looking from, yeah, the age of seven, eight and nine, maybe the foundation phase all the way through to uh, the under 23s within an academy and then ha- how that then connects and aligns with a, with a first team within a club. Um, so in terms of, the people that we're working with, of course, they can they can vary from. We can be working with very young coaches or football leaders from from the age of say, maybe nineteen twenty all the way up to to people in their their fifties and their sixties. So that's a huge you know age range spreading over what 30, 35 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the football players are as it would be over here in the UK an academy. Yeah, it can range from what six, seven, eight years old all the way up to. Uh, early 20s so yeah so it's a it's a real wide ranging uh role that you've got to got to cover in terms of that yeah because the the way you approach um you know a 19 20 year old coach or, or football leader versus someone who's probably been in the game for you know maybe 30 years and might have some fixed ideas how do you how do you you sort of have to jump from one to the other and, and totally change your approach? Yeah, of course, and I think I think that's the same actually. Uh, something I've found throughout my career actually is that everybody's individual, aren't they? So everybody's got their they're at the different stages of their life, different stages of their career, different stages of their development, and I think what it's the first thing to do is when you meet somebody is first of all, get to understand where they are on their journey, maybe where they've been previously, and also where they're looking to head to and what are their motivations moving forwards. And I think as soon as you're aware of that and you get to know them as a human being first, and I think that's no different as well to when you're working with players, and, and I've always tried to do that when, I'm, when I've worked with uh, young players or even senior experienced professional or even international players, is just get to know them as people, um, what makes them tick? What, like I say, what what motivates them? What 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 is challenging for them, or what's not challenging for them? And I think once you're aware of that, you you've got good knowledge around that. Then you can get into the more specific details of how you uh, try and add value to what they're doing, and try and educate them further, and, and add to their knowledge. And that's 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 also part of the the role and what what I've been trying to do recently. So. The, the, the person first approach is, is something that always resonates with, with me and, and, and particularly what I do in, in healthcare. Um, and I've been to one or two sort of football conferences in, in recent years. And, and that kind of language was, was coming through as, as well, which was great to hear, you know, person before player. Is, is that... I mean, in that room, it's everyone seemed pretty comfortable with that. But but in the world, wider world of football, is that is that quite radical, or or is it, or is that really the language of the modern game now? I think I think if you look at it now in the modern game, um, and certainly moving forwards, 
the personal development piece is going to be as important as the player development piece. And I think combining the two together is really important. So I think, first of all, it's about understanding the age group characteristics of who you're working with. So it's similar to what you're saying there. You know, it, it can vary from working with a football leader or young coach who's 20 years old to a, to a very more experienced coach who's 50 years old. So it, it can change, it can vary. Um, but yeah, going, going back to your, your, your question, um, I, th- I think it's becoming more, more the norm, certainly, to talk about person before player. Um, and, and, and first of all, trying to connect with the person in order to help the player fulfil their potential. And I think that, that's another part to it as well. And I think what, you get, what, what you're finding now is a lot of, if we're talking about the football industry, a lot of academies and clubs now, which I think is, is really important, are focusing on more so, let's say, on the individual development of players. So I look at my experiences going back to when I was an academy player myself and I was fortunate enough to actually come through the system, the academy system, right at the beginning. So between 1997 and 2002, when it was first, uh, when they first initiated academies and they changed from what was School of Excellence. Um, and I look back to my time and obviously I still have discussions as well with some of the, the lads I used to play with and we talk about this, who, who also now coaches, by the way, as well, in, in clubs, which is interesting. And we, we talk about how it was for us and how it is now or how we might be doing it now and how it's different. And I look back and I think, of course, you were cared for as a player and, you know, uh, and as a person, but it was a lot about the football then. Mm. I think the way it's changed now is, of course, there's, there's lots more aspects that are being added all the time in terms of there's far more analysis, you know, data analysis. There's now uh, obviously aspects around, which I think is also really important in terms of character development. So how do, how do academies develop uh, the character of the person to, again, help the player fulfil their potential later down the line? So I think it's becoming, like I say, it's becoming the norm. Hmm. Um, and I think it should be something that, as I go back to, if you're talking about academies and clubs, they are certainly seeing every player as an individual person and that each individual person within that, that system should have an individual development plan yeah. moving forwards. And, and I think that's also really important. So they've got this, this sort of focus on the various aspects of them and how they live their life, so to speak. So the obvious ones are diet and, and sleep and attitude. And then, and then you've got the performance side. And, and it sounds like you sort of sit in the middle or maybe bridge those, those two, bring them together somehow. Yeah, definitely. I think as we're going back to there, what we were saying about an individual development plan for a player and the person themselves... Uh, he or she is that nowadays in the in the in the modern world and the way that we operate and the way that clubs and academies should operate is of course it should be holistic in terms of the development. So it shouldn't just be about the technical and the tactical aspects of of the football parts, 
but it should be about, as you're discussing there, it should be about uh, lifestyle management. It should be about, uh, as you're saying there, health and performance. It should be about the importance of uh, nutrition and how that can actually help their performance. It should be about, as well, uh, looking into how players can be supported with on the, 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 the mental side of the game. So psychologically, how can we help the players uh, develop? Um, so there are lots of different aspects. I think one thing that's really interesting and one thing that we, we talk a lot about actually at the company I'm working for now, um, when we're devising individual uh, player profiles or player development plans is that we try and also connect some of the mental and physical performance aspects with the specific technical and tactical football actions. And I think this is really important. And also that also provides that holistic approach to, to individual development. Yeah. Can you give an example of that to illustrate it? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest ones is, is with football players is courage is courage. I think courage, courage to not just to get on the ball, but also to, to, to make or to, to get into positions to receive the ball on a regular basis. And more importantly, if you make a mistake, to not hide and think, actually, I'm not going to move into that position again, because actually, if I do, I'll receive it and I could make that same mistake again. Yeah. So for me, one of the most important, the, the, the mental parts of being a football player, and I, and I can only relate back to my own experiences of being a player, my, my best performances were always when I played with, with the most confidence and with the least amount of fear. And I think if you can encourage players and clubs and, and, and coaches can encourage players to focus on them two aspects, to be confident in yourself, to, be, to, to, to focus on your strengths as a player. Of course, it's, it's hard to do, be able to do everything brilliantly, but you can maybe do two or, three, two or three things really well. Focus on that and then try and uh, take away the fear aspect. Try and play without fear. Um, so I think going back to your question, one of the points could be simply, you look at a lot of clubs nowadays, a lot of teams and you certainly look at the, the top teams around the world, they all play out from the back. Yeah. So they all want to start attacks from the back. The top coaches around the world want to play out from the back and, of, of course, build, build their attacks with, with control. Um, in order to do that, you need players that obviously have the courage to, to receive the ball, firstly, in the back or from the goalkeeper and take the ball and be able to comfortably receive the ball, look forwards, play forwards, without, like I say, any fear and with, and with full confidence. And that could be a simple way of connecting a mental aspect with a technical or tactical part mm -hmm. uh, within an individual player profile or within an individual development plan. So for a player. So I think that's maybe a good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. So you'll identify particular strengths that are important to the game or particular strengths to that player? I think you first of all look at the individual person. I think this goes back to connecting the person with the player themselves. So um, what's the character of the person? What's their attitude? Um, what's their application like? 
then in terms of their ability, what are their three key main strengths? I've always been a believer of that. I, I remember being in, within a club, um, working with a group of players and actually speaking to them. Uh, we spoke to them as a staff as well, you know, multidisciplinary staff. So I'm talking about the, 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 the fitness coach, the, the, the assistant coaches, the goalkeeping coaches, the physiotherapists, everybody in together. Okay, let's discuss about um, you as an individual. What are your key three main key strengths? And how can we help you build on these strengths in order to optimize them and maximize your potential to get you closer to where you want to get to in terms of the end goal? So this could be simply, uh, say, an under-23 player aiming to transition into the first team within that club or transition into first team football somewhere around, around the country. Um, and, the, and, and certainly I think the players did as well. They really helped them focus on what they were good at. And it started to take away doubts because mm-hmm. at that stage as well, they're thinking, oh, what do I need to do uh, to get to that level? And, they, and you can start to think in too much detail. You can start to worry too much about what you're not good at and less about what you are good at. Yeah. And, and that's sometimes a danger. So I think that's something that for me personally has worked well in the past with, with players. Focus on the three key main strengths. And then how, do, how can we help you to build on these strengths, but also how can they help themselves as well to build on them strengths? Yeah. So it has to be like a two-way two-way agreement i think as well so so you through conversation get them to clarify what their strengths are and yeah I, and, I, and i think this is, is similar also to the work that i'm doing now uh, as a football consultant and something that i've has added to my own skill set i think in terms of becoming even more adaptable is the ability to co-create with people so understand where they are, understand them as human beings, as people, as players, as coaches, whatever they may be, as, as academy directors. Could even be owners, club owners, you know, CEOs. Um, but yeah, understand, get them to understand where they are first. Because it's important to, for their, to get their buy-in. It, of course, it, part of it has to come from them. It's not about ripping everything up and saying, right, okay, this is what we think you should be good. These are your three key main strengths. No, let's let's get it from you as well. So, yeah, I think it's an open discussion, really, a two-way discussion yeah. um, to, to find what they are. So it sounds like you, you put it on a, on a level playing field, no, no pun intended there, and, <laughs> and there's a real, you know, real togetherness, and you've got your strengths kind of lenses on that that's what you're looking for you're, you're looking for that person's strengths in in what they say to you then but then also how they demonstrate that in what they do on the definitely. field definitely definitely richmond and it's this is not to say that you you shouldn't also be aware of a player's or a person's uh weaknesses or areas of improvement of course, everybody will have areas of improvement or weaknesses and things that they, sh- they need to improve. It's not getting away from that fact. But what it's doing is, I think it's saying, it's saying to people, be positive, believe in your ability, believe in your key strengths, 
focus on them, look to build on them as much as you possibly can um, in order to fulfill your potential. And it just goes back to, I think, as I said, my own experiences of being a player. I wasn't great at, I certainly wasn't great at everything because if I was, I would have made it to the level that I wanted to make it to, you know, professionally. But at that level, I was probably good at maybe say two or three things. Yeah. And I look back now and I think I could have built and, and made them strengths even stronger and even better. Um, so that I think when we're talking about coaches coaching and working with players and, and development football, I think this, this should definitely be a, the main focus to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. A player's surprise. Everybody's different because everybody's yeah. different. Everybody's different. And I think it's, it's just empathizing with that player and with players in general, that everybody's individual. Yeah. And there's no problem with that. There's absolutely no problem with that. Some players, you know, I've seen eight, nine-year-olds who can comfortably beat somebody in a one versus one situation and then do it again and do it again and do it again. But then I've also seen other players that they would not be able to do that, but they would be excellent in other, other aspects of the game. So I think it's just empathising that everybody is individual, everybody um, has their own strengths and areas of where they need to improve. And I think it's just, yeah, identifying them and then working on them with that person. Yeah, yeah. Are, are the players that you work with, are they, are they open? I mean, to you and I, I mean, we're, we're speaking a language we're both familiar with, very comfortable with. It makes a lot of sense. And we've, we've seen the results and successes that come from it. But, but of course, other people have been through other models and have other belief systems. Uh, do you do you find that some are very open and some resist somehow? Are you talking about players? Yeah. Um, maybe, 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 maybe that's maybe true. Um, I think you're always going to get at some point off somebody some sort of resistance to what you're trying to do or trying to to help them to do. Um, or achieve so but I think it goes back to also I think nowadays what you have as well is is showing them evidence I think this is something that's really moved on uh, you know when we when we were young players back in the day and I know I keep going back to that but I think it's important is we'd very rarely watch our performances back so you would play you would come off the pitch and that would be it really you might think a little bit about it, but then you quickly move on to the next game. Whereas now in clubs, obviously there's a lot of video analysis. There's a lot of reviewing, if you like. So reviewing individual performances, reviewing collective team performances. And I think this is where actually it can be used as an advantage because this is a way as well as convincing players to buy into what you're delivering is actually show them. And I think sometimes I've always found that if you just provide a player with evidence of something that they need to improve on within their performance, they'll take it on board a lot better or in a, in a, in a better way than if you just told them face-to-face -face verbally. Yeah. Saying, yeah. you need to get better at this. Maybe change it by saying, we think you need to maybe improve this area. Have a look at this. This is what we mean by this and show them some examples but also then go into the reason why. 
And I think once you give them the reason why, then of course you've got a better opportunity of getting their buy-in. So why do you need to improve this aspect? Why do we need to work on this with you? Because it'll help you to do, again, X, Y, and Z. So I think as well, tapping into that reason why as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when, you, when you look back, you know, you've mentioned your, your early, you know, your, your career and, and when you were, were playing. When, when, you, when you look back now, kind of down that, that timeline, can, can you see how it's naturally evolved to, to where you are now? Or were there some sort of key moments that sort of drove you on? Or if you were going back to yeah. you know, the, the, the 19, 20-year-old you who could see what you're doing now, would you be like, oh, wow? Yeah, of course. I mean, if, yeah, if, if I was to look back to the, yeah, the 19, 20-year-old as I was and then look at me now at 34, did, did I expect to have worked in 12 different countries, for example? by the age of 34 no not at all um did i did i expect to have even achieved the highest qualification by it was what the age of 29 no um but i think i look back and i think did it has it naturally evolved yes i think it, the journey has naturally evolved it it, it always had to be in football I think that was the main thing. It always had to be in football. I think that's what I grew up knowing. I, I, I grew up living within football. My, my dad was involved in football. He took me to the football. Um, I watched football and, and high-level football, you know, Premier League football from a very young age, live as well. How, not, 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 week, not on a weekly basis, but quite often. So maybe subconsciously I was, I was taken in a lot during that time without probably knowing. And then added to that, the experience of going through an academy system and being taught by so many different coaches was also um, obviously probably, I look back and was great for my development in terms of uh, gaining some expertise and some great football knowledge from various different people. And then, but when I was playing, even up to the age of 15, 16, I there was never any thought about being a coach. I genuinely mean that as well. There was never any thought about being a coach. It was always, when I was on that initial journey, it was always about, about being a professional football player because we were all in amongst that, that within that bubble of that dream, if you like. Mm -hmm. And of course, very few of us achieved it as, as happens. And then what happened was I fell into the coaching through the back of somebody that I'd known who had actually identified me as a young player. And, and um, when I signed for, for Derby County as, a, as an eight, eight nine-year-old, he knew me then eight years later, but also probably as I go back to the, the importance of the, the person as well as the player, I think he also knew me as a person. Yeah. He knew my family he knew, and this is the person that I can only thank for actually starting me on my coaching journey. Because if he had not said to me at the age of 16, 17, come with me, come, come and work with me in the community with these, these kids and come and coach with me. 
come and see how you find it. Come and teach others how to how to play football yeah. and, and and enjoy playing football um, like you've been taught. And if you've not done that, then I maybe wouldn't have gone on the journey uh, that I've been on since. But then when I'm embarking on that journey, yeah, it was crazy. One, it was like a, this a very, very quick rise, maybe too quick, I would say, looking back and reflecting, where from the age of, between the age of 20 and 30, I'd gone from coaching within schools, you know, the community to then coaching in academy football, which is definitely what I wanted to do because I've been a player at that, 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 uh, that level. Yeah. And then quickly then taking my, my coaching badges, moving very, very quickly from right, you know, the, the, the bottom end of the ladder, if you like, at level one, quickly through level two, UEFA B, qualifying as a UEFA B license holder at 19, a UEFA A license holder at 24, and then finally a UEFA Pro license holder at 29. But in between that, taking on these huge challenges at a young age, you know, for example, being in charge of a whole schoolboy system from under nine to under 16 at Derby at the age of 23, where I was having to manage and look after coaches a lot more far more experienced than probably even certainly more knowledgeable probably than me at that time yeah and having to lead that type of thing at a young age obviously there's a lot of pressure around that I felt I felt pressure around that um even though I believed in my ability I've still felt pressure and um and then all the way like I say probably the the biggest challenge was then at 28 yeah, again, you go back to your question. At 28, did I expect to be a first-team coach working with senior international players in the championship, having 10 years previously just been coaching in the, in the community? No, not at all. So the, these are all challenges that I faced along the way. But what I had to fall back to was, and this is probably advice for all coaches out there, is fall back to what you've what you know fall back to your 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 principles your guiding principles if you like don't come away from what you believe in um and also don't come away from maybe what's got you to that stage and, and that level and because and obviously people have given you that opportunity to to get to that that level so yeah <laughs> it's, it's really hard to answer the question in, in full but yeah it's been a it's been a crazy journey up to this point. So that yeah, I mean that that's a very quick rise, as as you said. So people were clearly seeing something in you, um, and and then you were getting the badges on the way. Um, I mean, you're you're telling me that that's quick to get those badges. I I don't know about getting those those mm. badges. I mean, if if someone was saying to you, right, I, I want to follow that route, I want to get those badges. What kind of time span would you expect someone to to follow? If yours was quick, what what would be the the norm? Yeah, cool. I mean, obviously the courses and the qualifications are changing all the time, and they're evolving, and the the various football associations that are delivering the courses are, are also evolving in the way that they deliver. And of course, now it's even different to the fact that probably a lot of them at the minute are online as well, um, rather than in person. 
I look back to my own journey. For me, it was um, from from starting the level one at 17 and qualifying as a UEFA pro license holder. It was actually the day before my 30th birthday, believe it or not, uh, which is quite ironic. Um, was yeah, it was a what's that 12, 12 13 year yeah time time yeah. Uh, span. So I think it to go from level one to level five. I think it's going to take you at least 10 years, mm-hmm. at least 10 years. But, but, but going back to your question, I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage, I don't know if I would encourage people to do what, what I did. I mean, I think what's more important is the experience that you gain along the way. It's not actually the qualification because of course the qualification, the, the qualifications are, are of course important, important around the world. Absolutely. You, you need to go out and achieve your qualifications, acquire that education, acquire that knowledge. But then what you need to do is you need to then combine the education with experience. And I think where I was most fortunate was I had a, this kind of, as you say, this, this, uh, this rise on one side in terms of the qualifications. But actually, alongside it, I also had a rise in terms of career experiences. So I went from coaching under eights through to working with international players. So it was like two lines going up at the same time, uh, parallel, and one without the other, I don't think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you, you, what I'm saying is I don't think people should just focus on just getting their qualifications without gaining experience along the way. It's important that the experience part is also uh, fulfilled as well. Yeah. Um, as much so as the, the, the education part. I think if you can combine both, that's, that's like the perfect blend. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, the, the professional qualifications are, are important. They, they say something about your you know, ability to obviously to learn and to yeah. analyze and, and be critical and, and, you know, all of those many skills that, that you, you learn along, along the way, but without then applying that to, you know, real life, it's, it's kind of in an echo chamber, isn't it? And, and you were able to yeah. apply that, you know, along the way. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to apply it because I, I was in them roles. So when we went off and we did the course, and, the, and then the, the football association, so say I did mine with English FA, for example, they would then expect you to do a certain amount of coaching practice or coaching hours, as they called it. So it might be like 16 hours of coaching in between year one and year two. And for me, obviously, that was quite quite easy because I was coaching on a daily basis anyway. Yeah. So I could, I could comfortably gain my hours and experience within my role. But for others, it was probably more of a challenge because they may not have been in clubs, they may have had to go into other clubs and, and try and use their contacts to, to find that experience. But I would certainly encourage people to, as you say, of course, go on that journey of achieving your qualifications, but also go on that journey of experience as well. Yeah. Because I think when you go on that journey of experience and also uh, allowing yourself to explore the variety of experiences that are out there in terms of coaching and developing players say for example in, as we're talking about in football I always say this one of the biggest skills as a coach is to be adaptable 
And if you acquire various different experiences or a wide range of experiences, then naturally you will evolve to become more adaptable. Um, and I think this is really important too. So then you, you, you know, you need this, this openness because you, you're going to be presented with certain models depending on where you go, I suppose. And then sub models of those models, depending on how each personality or each person then, then delivers it to you. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about the courses, of course, they, they, the courses, what, what they did for me is they provided a framework of how to coach. So they, they provide a framework of how to coach, how to behave as a coach, how to, yeah, uh, deliver sessions, uh, work with players. Um, but ultimately, it's, it's like for anybody, and again, I encourage other people, you'll find your own way. So everyone uses the, the example of driving test. You know, you, you kind of, you do what you do to complete your driving test. You gain the certificate. And then you use the experience of the test and the various lessons that you've had to get to the, the point of passing your test. And then you'll find your own ways to that are comfortable for you to drive. And it's the same in coaching or, or in, in whatever you're doing in football, I think. It, like I say, the education aligned with the experience gives you, uh, let's say, a lot of different possibilities a lot of different options, a lot of different models that you can use, approaches, if you like, to delivering what you're expected to deliver yeah. within certain roles. Um, I, I, again, I would always go back to, it comes back to your own philosophy and principles and the way of working and what you believe in. Yeah. Uh, like a belief system, if you like. Yeah. That, that's what it'll always stem back to. Yeah. That will provide the framework. So you, you've developed through, you know, your studies and your experiences, your own philosophy. Have you, have you verbalised a, a particular philosophy or, or model that, that's yours? I, 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 we, ha we actually had to do something a few years ago for, I think it was the, the there was a course I was on. It was a, an elite coaching award with the English FA. And our mentors on the course at the time uh, expected us to outline our football philosophy. Yeah. But I would imagine that if you were to, to, to get out all of them philosophies now and, and get us all back in a room, I would imagine a lot, a lot of us will have evolved over time and actually some, some of the stuff will have changed, I'm sure. Um, I think it's a constant ongoing work working document a philosophy if it's yeah. if it's written down in in, in theory it's, it's an on, it should it should be an ongoing working document because the game is is constantly evolving isn't it lots of new new parts are being added all the time new insights so i think yeah i i, I do have something written down um but i'm always looking to find ways of adding to it of adding to it, building on what's already there. Um, but then what I've found the most interesting thing in my current role is, of course, you can have your philosophy and your way of working, but it has to fit in with the people that you're working with as well. And that's one been one of the most um, 
the, the most interesting things in the role that I'm doing now is every club, every visit that you go and deliver on is different. Yeah. You're working with a different set of people. You're working with a different football club. They might be at a different stage of their development. So you can have your own philosophy and principles, but ultimately it has to align and match with the organisation that you're working with at that moment in time. And then what your hope is that you've developed the skills, the experience and the knowledge over a course of however many years that you know what to use and when to use it and also how to use it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's obviously what I'm the journey that I'm, I'm still going on uh, today. Yeah. It, it kind of goes back to what you were saying before about being, being adaptable. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's one of the, the key skills I think as a, as a leader in football or a leader at any, any organization or any industry moving forwards, I think the ability to be adaptable, I think obviously the situation that we've been in for the last year or so has, has, has taught us as well to be adaptable, to be creative. Um, things aren't always going to be the same all the time. Every club you step into or every experience or role you step into will be different for different reasons because again like I say you're working with different people you're working with different characters um you might be working with different a different set of players if you if you're a coach yeah so you have to be ready and prepared to be adaptable I think and yeah. uh yeah yeah really really key point because the there's a re- there seems to be a real contrast then with you know, you were working with, you know, particular groups of people in a club for a number of years, but now your, your work is much more, well, I could be there with them over there, or then I've got to, well, yep. not at the moment, but hopefully soon, <laughs> yeah, then I'm flying over there to do that. Yep. Um, completely different in that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's widespread. It's widespread, whereas before it was very contained. So it was very, you, you knew who you were working with every day. Every day you would arrive into work, and the same people were there, yeah. you know, and, and you knew them inside out because you're there, you're spending a lot of hours with them. Uh, yeah. You're probably spending more time with them, the people that you're working with in a club than what you are with your own family at times, yeah. you know, yeah. if you're in a, in a, in a club environment and, and then you, you, that's how you can easily as well uh, be consumed by, by, by a job in, in football. Um, so finding that balance as well is, is important, yeah. uh, but also hard to strike. Uh, but yeah, far more widespread now what I'm doing. But what I tried to do was actually, to give an analogy, I've actually tried to treat each and every visit when I go into a club as if you're preparing a team for the next game. So obviously a lot of my experience previously had been as a coach. So it was always about preparing for the next game Obviously, when I worked at first team level, it was about how, how are we going to prepare the best we possibly can to win this next game? Um, and what I've tried to do is I've, I've tried to actually take that into the consultancy role that I've been doing. So say, for example, I, I go to Denmark into a club for two, two or three days, but then I know the following week I'm in a club, here, working in a club in Germany. Yeah. I try not to think too much about the club in Germany until 
I've focused and completed what I'm expected to deliver in Denmark. Yeah. And I think that's also what's helped me to, to separate the fact that, yeah, like you say, you can be here, there and everywhere. You can be jumping off at, uh, from plane to, you know, from plane to plane, from country to country. But for me, it's always about focusing on the, the next game, the next visit, the next performance that you have to deliver, if you like, as an individual. Yeah. Um, and even to the extent where on a visit, it gets to the stage where it's about delivering the next session within that visit. Yeah. Because for the participants in the room, that is the most important uh, session, yeah. the one that you're in right now, and that teaches you, of course, to be in the present as well, uh, be in the present as well more, and something that I've had to learn to to do more, I think, in my career as well, is be in the present more, and stay in the present more, and and perform in the present, and not think too far ahead, and not think too much about the future. Yeah. Whereas maybe in years gone by, I was always like. I want to be here in three years' time. Mm-hmm. I want to be there in five years' time. Or I want to achieve this. Whereas I look back and think I should have gone. I should have gone with a flow more. Whereas now, I, let's say I go more with the flow. Of course, yeah. I'm, I'm ambitious and I still want to achieve things. But I certainly go more with the flow now and mm-hmm. try and find that balance as well between between work and life. I mean, you're, you're sort of heading heading down the route of Zen here, aren't you? Of, of being present, and um, but actually, you know, the the present is is the only moment where you can where you can do something, and and you and yeah. you're not going to be able to perform if in this moment if you're thinking about next week or even ten minutes ahead. Um, no, exactly, and and you know, obviously, as you know, I've got a lot of other stuff on uh, throughout today after after we've finished our chat but you know I'm really enjoying this conversation because I'm in I'm in the present I'm talking with you I'm, I'm only focusing on that um obviously trying to provide you with the best answers possible for, for the people that are listening as well and for the questions that you're you're asking so that's why I'm really enjoying it because I'm in the present I'm not thinking if I was thinking about the calls that I've got coming up later on today then yeah I'm not going to be able to uh speak as honestly and openly as, as what I'm trying to do now how is there something that you do to to practice that I think to practice it one one thing I do every morning when I before I start start work so shortly after I've woken up now um I don't know if this is a good answer to the question or not but I'll just I'll say it is uh, I write a a priority list. Yeah. So it's like a things to do list for each each day, but it'll be priority. So of course, the the the, the job that I'm doing takes priority first and foremost, and then what are the other things during the day as well that I want to achieve alongside that? Yeah. Um, that could be fat. That could be with the family. It could be. Uh, to do with uh, my own, you know, you're looking after your own health, going out for a walk or whatever it may be. But that's how I practice being in the present yeah. so that I can just say, right, th- this is this is what I'm doing next. And let's just focus on this. Yeah. So even though I know I'm, I've got other things that I want to achieve during the day, I first want to focus on this before I move on to the next one. Yeah. And then when I move on to the next one, then I just focus on that. And that's something that I've tried to, 
for my own personal development is try to focus on more doing that type of thing. Yeah. yeah. So forming forming lists, forming priority lists, and then and then uh, focusing on each part as I as I go through a day. So and hopefully by the end of the day achieve, achieve something. <laughs> lots of lots of ticks ticked off. Ticks yeah, off. maybe maybe yeah. Is, is that the kind of thing that you would share when you're working? Well, it could be with coaches or players in the fact that, you know, even just a simple conversation with, with you know, a colleague or, or a loved one, you know, if you're present, then, then we both know that. Even without thinking about it, there's just a knowing that that person is there and, and listening. And, and you mentioned empathy before, and obviously this, this all is at the heart of, of, you know, focusing on the person. Um, do, do you do you sort of coach coaches to think about that sort of thing yeah I think we certainly try to yeah certainly try to I think it's a real key aspect for any coach to, of course because a lot of coaching is is about planning it's about forward thinking it's about thinking ahead and of course there is there is always going to be that element there's always going to be that element. Um, I'm sure the top coaches in the world uh, will select a team for the next game, already thinking about the team they may select for the game after. Yeah. And, and there's been lots of stories of that over the years. I think Sir Alex Ferguson was probably, you listen to some of the players that played for him at Manchester United, who would say, you're not, you're not picked today, but I've got a game for you a few games down the line that I really want you to be involved in. So that just shows you the, the forward planning that an elite leader will, will take on. But then I think what the elite leaders do is they can separate that. So they can separate the forward planning part with them being in the present and being able to impact the present. Yeah. So I think when you're teaching coaches, it's about saying, okay, there's two parts to this. There's one bit, one is being in the present and giving you, giving everything you've got, every ounce of yourself within that moment for the benefit of the people you're working with. But then there's the other, the other part to it that is also being mindful while you're in the present of what's coming in the future. Yeah. And I think another, another example as well, Richmond, to that is uh, talking to teams after matches. Because actually what you say after a match is the last thing the players will remember. So it all depends on how you want the players to come back mm. the next day or the day after to the training ground or whatever it may be, how you want them to be thinking, how you want them to be behaving, um, what you want their attitude to be like. So I think that's always an interesting one. It's something that always resonates, me as, uh, resonates with me is something that I heard about Steve McLaren, uh, about that he, did, he didn't talk with his teams or say too much after a game. It was always done later on. So maybe the next day or the day after, once yeah. the emotion had been taken away, if you like. Yeah. So I think uh, that's the other part to it as well, is being mindful of when you're in the present, what you're saying. Yeah. And also why you're saying it. I suppose that's emotional intelligence as well, isn't it? Yeah, so you've got the timing of the message. And certainly in healthcare, we know that 
the the ending of a session with someone is actually really really important because as you said that's the last that's the thing that they'll most remember when they when they go out so even if you know say you're working with someone and, and it's it's hard or a bit painful or whatever but at the end it finishes with you know you know some light conversation a joke feeling good da, da, da. then you'll forget all that that other stuff and just focus on on that bit Definitely. and I suppose also what you're talking about there then is the the connection with the thought and the the emotion and and the kind of receptivity of the players to that message in in that moment um, because yeah. if there's a heightened emotion um, then you can connect with them on on that level, which would then leave them well, whichever way, um, depending on what you said. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think that's it's just like I say, it's really important to be mindful of the future when you're in the present. That's that's obviously a lot a lot harder to do than what it's what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, you know, as we're, as we're talking about, so. Um, but again, it's the skill of a, a person, a leader, a coach, to be able to understand how both parts are connected, yeah. but also be able to split split both parts at the right time as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's the part as well of, of family, of course, is as well, you know, you can be in the present at work and then you can come away from what you're doing in your day job but then it's also incredibly important that then you're in the present with your family after that moment yeah. and not and not in that part of thinking ahead for the next day of what you've got to do for work. Yeah. So I think also that's uh, another, another side to it as well. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, particularly when you're heavily invested personally in, in what you do as a, as a job, as a profession, as, you know, taking it further to a calling or a caring that, that, you know, you can go home and, and suddenly find that you're coaching your family or like, hold on, no, <laughs> wrong, wrong hat. Wrong hat. <laughs> no, it's a great way of putting it. Of course, I mean, got, uh, we've got a four-year-old son. Um, so we're constantly having to coach him on a daily basis of of what to do and what and what not to do um which is uh which is a, which is the real challenge let's say that's that's yeah. the real job um coaching your own kids yeah of course um but again empathizing that he's only four yeah <laughs> but yeah. uh but no you absolutely right i think um you've you've got to be in the present as well in them crucial times, you know, certainly with your family, uh, something again, I've tried to, to practice and do, do, do more of and do it better. Yeah. Um, because I think it's a crucial part because I'm also, yeah, like you say, I'm somebody that when I'm doing a job and I've done this throughout my career, I, I'm all in, I'm all in, I'm 100% in. Yeah. So, a lot of my focus is on that and, and don't get me wrong there's, there's lots of times where you can be with your family and you, you are naturally thinking about your job or your work or the next day and it is hard sometimes to get away from yeah. I actually found that when I was coaching teams um is I was always I was constantly thinking about how, how can I make players better how can I make the team better who am I going to pick in the next game um it was like you, you couldn't get away from it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a really interesting uh, discussion we're having. 
I mean, really, that's that's a sort of um, uh, in a way a positive, largely speaking, I suppose, rumination. You know, in the mind, that's what the mind does. The human mind, it, it's it. You know, it's rarely rarely empty. Um, and as you said, it's about being able to recognise that thought. Ah, what am I going to do with that player? And and be able to park it because actually at the moment I'm doing something with my son or my wife or, or, or exactly. Exactly. No, really important, really important. And I would encourage everybody to try and try and do that, you know, try and try and park it, try and concentrate on what's important in that actual moment, because you can always come back to it later, later on. Um, but no, that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? For everyone, I think, is to try and find that, that work-life balance. And it's, and it's, and it's incredibly difficult. It's, it's a real challenge. And certainly within the football industry, I've found personally, it's a, it's a real challenge. I'm sure other people with, that are working within the, the industry have also found it a challenge or are also currently finding it a challenge. Yeah. Um, but all we can do is, is try. And uh, that's what I'll continue to, continue to do. Yeah. I, I suppose it, it's, it depends on the culture of the, of the club largely, but, but where, you know, football, you know, it's more than sport, isn't it? You know, it's a culture, it's entertainment, it, you know, there's vast amounts of money, um, yeah. which, which just piles a huge amount of pressure on, on people because it's a people, it's, yeah. it's all about the people. Absolutely. And, and because of that, then people think that they have to be there all the time or a lot of the time. And they think they have to be there, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours a day, maybe, you know. But I think I think it depends, like you say, it depends on the culture of the club. There's the culture of the club where the culture is you are expected to be there present for long, long hours during a day to be to be showing that you're working. And some people will say, well, that's working hard. Or are we moving more towards, as well, working smart? So mm. actually, uh, I think that's what will, what will happen moving forwards. Um, is it'll be about, it won't be about the hours in a day, but it'll be about how you're maximising those hours in a day. Yeah. And are you working productively, are you working effectively? Um, and sometimes actually... Not always, because there are, there are there will be days where you've got to work long hours, you've got to put the work in, you've got to work hard, you've got to work uh, for a prolonged period of time. But there'll be other days where you can maybe work as productively for less amount of time. Yeah. And I think sometimes less is more, actually. Sometimes you could work for less hours and produce more. And if you work for longer hours, you actually end up producing less. So for me, it's always about working smart, working well if you like yeah. you know, working hard but also working well um and, and and achieving things achieving your objectives so again that's a you know that's a well in loose loose terms you know a modern concept versus our traditional work values which are around you know you stay at your desk or you're in your workplace for long hours equals you're a you're a hard worker um, versus, well, actually, I've done everything I needed to do today and I've gone off equals, well, you're a bit of a slacker. Um, that's the perception. Quality. Yeah, that's the perception. But as we're talking, yeah, exactly. We're talking about here about the quality of the work that you're producing. And is it possible to produce quality work 
over that such long, prolonged period of time during the day? I'm not sure it is. I think maybe it's about maybe chunking the work into manageable parts of what where you can really you know where you can really focus on and, and achieve something in in that part of your work. Um, I think that can be also more important. It's like meetings. I'm I'm always one. I'm, I'm fascinated by the timings of meetings and how long people can actually concentrate for. I did this with players actually. You know, we there was always. Um, I was always thinking, how how long have we got really to at least one of the one of the players in the room switches off? Yeah. I mean, there might there might have been times <laughs> where they're, they're already switched off when they arrive. I don't know, but how, how long until one switches off, and then how long until they're all switched off? Uh, so we tried to make sure our, our meetings didn't last more than twelve minutes, and that was always important. Yeah, and I'm always fascinated being in meetings now. And how long they last and how long are actually people, uh, like you said, how long are they in the present for within that meeting and really connected to that meeting? Yeah. Uh, you know, because I've been in meetings where, you know, they can last for two, two and a half hours. And, and that, 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 I think that can be a struggle for people to, to stay with it, you know? So yeah. um, I think, yeah, trying to find that manageable, uh, manageable amount of time if you like where where people can concentrate and, and you can keep their attention if you like yeah well it's got to have some sort of obvious purpose that everyone's buying into you know why why am i here well we're here because we're doing a b and c okay great and if a b and c are quite you know big topics then we might need to break it down into you know several rather than we're all sat here for two and a half hours in this in this room absolutely absolutely and i think people like you say people want that nowadays as well people don't want to be sat around for hours and hours discussing the same topics i think people want to you know certainly uh people want to get things done yeah. and they want to get done, things done in an efficient the most efficient and effective way and i think again as we're talking about work patterns and work uh priorities moving forwards i think it will be be based around that it'll be yeah. based around yeah working smart as a team as a group um like you say maybe breaking down into shorter meetings but achieving what you need to achieving the objectives within that meeting yeah um yeah so yeah we're talking about all, all sorts here today aren't we all sorts yeah well yeah but but coaching it, it's you know, it, it does, it covers so much and, and there's yeah, so many facets to it and, um, and, and so many, you know, examples of, of you know, different people um, suggesting different ways. Who, who have been your main influences? Uh, I've had a few. Um, the, 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 the biggest one, the main one that stands out is somebody for me who was a, who was a, a real mentor and I think probably for a lot of people actually was a was a real mentor unfortunately he passed away a couple of years ago uh, his name was Dick Bates um, a lot of people within within the world of football will know Dick certainly in terms in terms of coach education professional and, and development football um, he was a a wonderful world-class coach and coach educator the best i've ever come across without a doubt mm -hmm. and i think for a lot of people i talked to they would also uh, agree with that um so he he 
he left a last impression on me, if you like, in terms of the way that he was with me as an individual, the way he tried to obviously mentor me. Probably at that time, I didn't even realise he was mentoring me, but, but he was. Um, but I just learned so much from him. His knowledge was incredible, incredible. And obviously, he'd, he'd also experienced, funny enough, working around the world, which is actually what I'm doing now. Ah. Um, yeah, and you know, it's it's a, it's a it's a pity, obviously, that that he he isn't able to to know or, or see what I'm doing now. But I hope he would be proud of what I'm doing now in terms of going around, traveling, working with various different people uh, within football in various different countries, because mm. also that's what he did. Um, but like I say, it wasn't just me. He had a lot. He had a a big influence on a lot of coaches. A lot of people. Uh, so he he he's the one that stands out the most because he taught me he taught me about having good values, how to teach, and I mean really how to teach players, how to educate players. Of course, how to deliver some really effective practice sessions, um, how to speak, how to communicate. Um, I can never forget, actually, just one little story about him. Uh, nobody had ever said this to me, but he said, "What you should uh, record your, your team talks. You should record them. L- listen to them back. Listen to how you're speaking to people. Listen to how you're communicating. Is it effective? Is it not? So I used to do that, actually. Uh, I bought, bought a dictaphone for the first time in my career when I worked with, with, with Dick. Yeah. And uh, I used to record... The, the team talks so I could listen to them back and also reflect myself on how I was communicating with players and whether it was effective and whether I needed to change certain uh, words or phrases or uh, the way was I speaking too fast or too too slow or with not enough passion or energy or you know yeah what was needed at that time so I thought it was just a fascinating little uh, example into uh, how he was trying to mentor me moving forwards yeah. uh, and get me to reflect on what I was doing. Um, so, yeah, so it's, uh, he, he's one that stands out, but then I've been fortunate, like I say, to work with a lot of good people, a lot of good people. And, I, and I've took something from everybody, Richmond, yeah. everybody, you know, Kevin Thower was also a big influence on me. Um, I don't know if he knows that, but he, he was a big influence. He's now, head of sport at New York Red Bulls in America. And he was academy manager at Derby when I went back there as a coach. Yeah. And uh, I was only 19, 20, but he was a, also a fantastic academy director and coach educator. Somebody I learned a lot from as well in the way that he operated and also dealt with people, yeah. how he dealt with parents, how, how he dealt with, how he managed up, how he managed across uh, the academy as well, staff. Was very impressive, and I'm not surprised how his journeys developed as well. He's absolutely excellent, but many, many different people. I, c- I could mention 10, 10, 12 different people who have helped me, obviously, and uh, but they'd be two that stand out as as uh, real mentors. Of course, if you if we're not talking about your own, my own parents, of course, and my dad and my mum, of course. Yeah, it's always nice to hear that. The, uh, the, the the parentals and their and their influence. Yeah, 
I suppose they're a given, aren't they? I've, I've not mentioned them, but they're like, I suppose, a given in terms of, not a given, but of course you always look back and you think uh, how they've helped guide you and teach you good values. And that then becomes the foundation, doesn't it? In terms of how you, how you operate, how you behave. Yeah. Um, and then now obviously trying to pass that on to my own son. And like you say, try and try and coach him if you like. Yeah. Pass on, uh, pass on the yeah, good stuff. Pass on the good stuff. Um, which is uh, like I say, that's, that's the real big challenge. That's the yeah. real big challenge. And the one that I'm, that I'm thoroughly enjoying. Yeah. Well, you're, you're that, you know, that as a parent, you're a model, aren't you? And, um, but, but also the, you know, these other people in, in our lives who, who appear and, um, and, and have this, this shaping effect. And I know that we were introduced by, by Mike Pegg. Um, Richmond, can I just interrupt? I'm just going to plug my laptop in so it doesn't yeah, go yeah, off. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to. Yeah. He's going to plug in. That's all right. Yeah. There we go. Sorry about that. He's I, back and plugged yeah, in. I, I, did, I, I didn't want the battery to uh, <laughs> to go in our conversation to to end uh, end end <laughs> abruptly. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that. Yeah. No, we're just saying that you know the the person who introduced us um, is is Mike Pegg. Um, yep. And uh, I mean, he certainly had a huge influence on on, on what I do. Um, and so these people that are out there, they um, and it's interesting that that you mentioned Dick who who travelled, because you you wonder, don't you, how much subconsciously we we kind of look at what they're doing, we listen to them, and then just naturally, you know, model it in our, our own ways. So maybe it's not a coincidence that you know you're you're doing what you're doing, having had that that very rapid rise that you mentioned, um, and now you're you're doing this. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe you're right. Yeah, it's, they say, don't they? Every, everything happens for a reason. Um, yeah, so no, I'm, I can say pr- pr- proud of, of what I've been able to achieve up to this point. Um, still, still have, I think, a way to go, a long way to go. Like everybody, you know, you're always learning every day. I'm somebody that I'm always trying to to, to take take on new knowledge, new information, new insights every day just to add to what i'm doing yeah yeah mike's mike's been a been a, a brilliant encourager of that actually for me personally he's also been a been an excellent mentor of mine um in the last couple of years in terms of yeah both encouraging me to share share my own knowledge but also you know explore other other aspects as well you know of the industry and and um you know, that, that's, that's something that I've really tried to take on board. And certainly during this lockdown is, is yeah, speak, speak to people, speak to people, connect with people, find out what they're doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in what other people are doing as well. You know, you know I, I'm, I'm fascinated. Um, you know, I'm interested in what you're doing. I'm interested in what Mike's doing. I'm interested in what, what, what everybody is doing and, Certainly within football as well, of course, because I can also link that then to, to my own role and also then moving forwards. And then I go back to something I mentioned earlier during our conversation is 
also to go with the flow more as well. That's also something that I've learned. Maybe one of my, I don't know if it's a weak, it could be a weakness, is I can sometimes be or have been in the past impatient. So I could I, I want things done now or I want things to happen today or certainly tomorrow because otherwise that'll, you know, bother me a lot. But what I've learned is to yeah, hopefully become a little bit more more relaxed. I'm, I'm still very, very driven inside. I don't know if that's come across on the conversation, but I'm incredibly ambitious still. I think I've got you know a lot more to achieve in my career. Like I say, a lot more to learn. Yeah. Um, but you know, at this moment in time, I'm doing it as well as yeah, going with the flow day to day, getting things done, speaking to a lot of different people, um, and we'll see 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 what see what's around the corner, see what happens next. Um, yeah. But I'm certainly certainly enjoying the journey I'm on now, and uh, see 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 what see, see what's to come in the future. With the you, you know your energy and um, and passion, you know, come across enormously. It's very clear that you have and do explore, connect, think, empathize. You know, all all of all of the above. So it's going to be great to see uh, to Thanks. see what happens next. Yeah, no, thanks, Richmond. No, I really appreciate that. No, it's been... no me too. And uh, it's obviously been really nice to to chat with you today and discuss various different subjects. Not not just football as well. It's also I think it's really good to to discuss other parts as well. Because yeah. um, you know my day to day job, it can be quite consumed around football. But there are many many parts around football that can also support yeah. as well. So. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure to 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 have a chat today. And like I say, thank you, thank you again for for having me on and inviting me. Really appreciate it. No, you're very welcome. It's been it's been great. I've loved loved chatting and listening to to you know what you're up to and your your philosophy. Um, where where can people read your the stuff? Because I know you put some stuff out there. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm, fa- I'm fairly active on on. On social media, um, one of the one of the reasons is because I, I like to share. I like to share good information. Yeah. I like to because I think it help it'll help people, and that's one of the main well the main reason why I'm on there really. It's both. There's two reasons. One is to share information with others, but also second one is to also acquire information because of course social media channels allow you to. Uh, acquire information that you might not be uh, might not be accessible otherwise so for me in my role as a consultant and being uh, I suppose let's say seen as a uh, football expert if you like I have to also be be in the present <laughs> and also you know I need to stay up to date with current trends but also I need to be looking as well as of what other people are doing moving forwards as well and what they're trying to achieve so um yeah i think this is this is the reason why i'm on there obviously I, yeah i'm i'm quite active on on linkedin on on twitter as well yeah. um and uh yeah i'll continue to do so uh up until when it's maybe not not appropriate so yeah excellent excellent okay fantastic well i'll, I'll put your your links on the um on the show page anyway so people can 
just click on those and come and see what you're up to. But um, no, it's been brilliant. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on. And we well, we might have a part two because I, I feel that um, as with all great conversations, you you kind of it comes to an end knowing that there's loads more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Now more more than open to doing that, Richmond. Absolutely, any time. And yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, thank you for having me on as as one of your guests. It's uh, yeah, absolute pleasure. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, catch you soon. Yeah, catch you soon. Take care. Cheers. Bye. All the best.